Good morning. I want to welcome everyone to Collegedale Community Church on this uh, beautiful Sabbath morning. Um, a little bit chillier than it has been, but we are so glad that you are here. And I have a special announcement for maybe some younger people, but today, you may have seen the, the slide just a moment ago, but today is Children's Church. So up in the Connection Corner, if you want to go to Children's Church, I believe it's ages 4 to 11, um, and your parents will let you go, please make your way up there. They are starting in just a few moments, so be sure to make your way up to Children's Church that is beginning. I'm going to announce that again in a little while in case people have missed that announcement and they haven't made it in here yet. This is a great time of year with uh, Thanksgiving and many things to remember and be thankful for. So here's what I want you to do. I want everybody to stand up and I want you to find somebody close by and I want you to tell them two things that you were thankful for this week. Uh, so find somebody maybe you know, maybe somebody you don't know and tell them what you are thankful for this week. From up here, it sounds like we are a very thankful people, and that is good. As you're making your way back to your seats, I just want to remind you that in the, uh, the pew rack in front of you, there's a connect card. If you have any prayer requests or any communication you want to, to pass along, please fill that out. We have baskets by the doors where we are collecting tithes and offerings. Uh, you can also see on, on, on the screen that there's ways to do that online uh, through our collegedalecommunity.com. And also you can text uh, your tithes and offerings as you are returning just a few of the blessings that God has given to you. And I hope that you will grab a bulletin because in this bulletin I looked and every week between now and the end of the year, there's something going on. And someone mentioned uh, to me that if you have children and they are in school, well, that adds a whole nother level of things going on because there's Christmas programs and Christmas parties. And if you have children in multiple schools, well, guess what? You've got multiple Christmas programs and multiple Christmas parties. And so please look and see the things that are happening at church and I just want to read from Matthew 11, where Jesus says, Come to me, you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that's what Sabbath is all about. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so even as we move into this very busy time of year, a great time of year, but a busy time of year, remember that Jesus wants to give you rest each and every day. And if you're able, please kneel with me for prayer. Dear God, we are so grateful and thankful for so many things, and we just shared that with each other. 
And Lord, we know that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. And Lord, we are grateful for the rest that you give us, the rest of salvation, uh, that we do not have to uh, chase after everything ourselves. We do not have to, to be a certain way or act a certain way or look a certain way, but we can rest in the grace that you give us. We are thankful for the rest of Sabbath, that we can set aside the busyness of the week, that we can gather with our church family, with our friends, and we can fellowship, but most of all, that we can rest in salvation and we can open up your word. But Lord, we recognize that there are issues and challenges that are represented in this room today. And we lift up all of those things before you. And Lord, we pray for our, our musicians, which are gonna bless us with the talents that you have given them. We wanna lift up Pastor Jerry as he's gonna open up your holy word and remind us of the great truths that are found there. And Lord, be with us and help us to be thankful each and every day. In your name we pray, amen. Good morning, church. Happy Sabbath. Please join us as we sing this morning.
Separate us now. 
Thank you for singing with us this morning. I want to remind you that there is a children's church going on for ages 4 to 12 uh, up in the Connection Corner. So uh, if you missed that announcement, uh, please make your way up there now. And now we have a wonderful special music. And Jay 
spoken Mars, Lou and Timothy. But I said, I want. Thank you, Lyndon. It's a beautiful song, powerfully done. While you were singing it, reminded me of a comment that I heard on the radio from uh, Johnny Erickson Tata. She said on the radio that when she gets to heaven, she wants to take her wheelchair with her. You know the story of how at age 17 she dove into the Chesapeake Bay and broke her neck and has been a quadriplegic all her life. She said she wants to take the wheelchair with her, and while she is bowing down and worshiping the Lord, she's going to thank Him for that wheelchair which taught her to be wholly dependent on Jesus throughout her life. Then she says, when I'm done doing that, I'm going to say, okay, Jesus, you can now throw it into hell. <laughs> November 11th was Veterans Day. We honored our veterans down at the community center, and it was a beautiful program. We're going to honor our veterans here as well. Anyone who is actively serving or has served in the United States Armed Forces, we invite you to come forward at this time. We're going to acknowledge you. Please come forward and stand right along the front here. Believe it or not, these guys did not fight in the Revolutionary War. <laughs> All right, do we have any coming down from upstairs? 
I want to make sure you're all here. Those of you who served in the United States Army, raise your hands. There they are. Those of you who were in the United States Air Force, raise your hands. All right. The Marines, there you go. The Navy, there you are. The Coast Guard, that's us. Two of us. Let's give these guys, this lady, a round of applause. Let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for these men and women who have taken up the honorable cause of defending this great nation, and we don't take their services lightly. We ask that you will bless them and their families, and Lord, please bless this country. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's give them a round of applause as they go back. I want to offer a word of prayer for you who will hear the Word of God. Father in heaven, as we are about to open your holy word, it dawns on us that we are unholy. And uh, we pray for you to teach us, to find us where we're at, and to move us to where you want us to be. We pray that you will be powerful in our midst, that lives will be changed, changed for eternity because of what is heard here today. We know, Lord, you have ordained this time for all of us. May we fully receive what you want us to. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Edgar Dowd Whitcomb, known as Ed, was a U.S. Army Air Force's B-17 navigator in World War II. He was captured by the Japanese in the Philippines, and in early May 1942, escaped. You see, he had a singular imperative, escape, somehow escape. He was part of the 70,000 captives who would be of the infamous Bataan Death March, where the American military was marched 70 miles and so many of them died. It became known as the Death March. He escaped that, was recaptured, and then in May determined he would escape again if he could. With an accomplice, United States Marine Captain William F. Harris, Ed and William escaped by swimming over eight miles. It was more than eight miles. It was actually eight miles across 
from what they swam. They swam all night only to discover because of the wind, the waves, and the heavy rain. They were just a short distance from the shore they left, and they swam, continued to swim to make it to the other side. Once they got to the other side, he says, and I quote, we had to cope with jungle, starvation, malaria, treacherous natives, and the Japanese, end quote. Ed was recaptured and escaped a total of five times, ending up in China, then back to the United States through South America. He returned to combat duty on May 11, 1945. He navigated a B-25 bomber and uh, with its mission to Luzon, back in the Philippines at Clark Field. This man would, after the war, become a great lawyer, civic leader in his community, and he lived a long and good life. When he was captured, he had a singular imperative, escape, somehow escape. I want to talk to you about that today. Our passage for study is found in Matthew chapter 7. Please turn there. Jesus is winding up his Sermon on the Mount. And our two verses that we will focus on today are verses 13 and 14. Verses 13 and 14. Jesus' words, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Well, when we read a passage like this, we immediately note there's a gate. It's a narrow gate. It's a gate that's to be entered. It's a gate that is extremely important. But it begs questions. Why do we need a gate? What is the gate? How do you find that gate? How do you go through that gate? And uh, what we discover when we begin asking questions is we ultimately come to the human paradox, which is this question, what is man? Or who am I? Or what's wrong with humanity? That humanity needs a gate. Well, we begin to explore answers to those questions by going to the book of Job. Job you'll find just in front of Psalms. Job chapter 7, verses 17 and 18, our questions, or a few of them, are asked or addressed. John 7, 17, what is man that you should magnify him? The you there is God that you should set your heart on him, that you should visit him every morning and test him every moment. What is man that God would be so attentive to man that the Bible talks about God greeting man every morning, being concerned over man? And yet we read in Job 25, verses 4 through 6, this question, 
How then can man be righteous before God? Or how can he be pure who is born of a woman? If even the moon does not shine and the stars are not pure in his sight, how much less man who is a maggot and a son of man who is a worm? How, how is it, God, you awaken in the morning to be with man, and yet man, when you look at the moon and the stars and all that there is, man is but a worm, a maggot, a maggot. It's significant that man and the universe are compared, and yet God has set his heart on man. God has set his heart on man. There's a paradox in the human experience. God has given man tremendous dignity and honor. He did this at creation. We find in Genesis chapter 1 the very words of God inform us as to our dignity. In Genesis 1, verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on earth. Man created in the very image of God. Man created different than the animals. Man created to rule over nature, to rule over the animal kingdom. Man created with understanding and reasoning capacities. Man created with the ability to make moral choices. Man created with creativity. Man created with the ability to love and have fellowship with a holy God. The dignity of man in creation. But through sin, our paradox comes to us. Man created with such dignity now abides in depravity. We find it in the words of Jesus. Go to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. Jesus will speak. Verse 14, it says, And when he had called all the multitude to him, he said to them, Hear me, everyone, and understand. Must be very important. Hear me, everyone, and understand. There is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. If anyone has ears, let him hear. Jesus will list 13 things that come out of a man. I don't think this is an exhaustive list, but it gives us an idea. In verse 21, For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, 
thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these things come within and defile a man. The great dignity of man is man created in the image of God. Through sin, the great depravity of man described. Jesus did not anywhere teach the fundamental goodness of human nature. He never used phrases like the better part of us. Jesus in this passage is not portraying vile criminals or some degraded group in the Jewish culture or society. He is talking about all humanity, whether religious or not. Jesus taught that man at his core is self-centered and that in these examples, man is either striking out against his neighbor or against God himself. Man is in trouble. So we look at this question, why do we need a gate? We need a gate because of the fall into sin. We who were made like God, by God, are disqualified from living with God. So our eternal purpose has been thwarted due to sin. We are faced with this reality. And unfortunately, some people are foolish enough to imagine they can sort themselves out. They can banish the evil and liberate the good within them. Like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, let the good prevail over the evil, but as in that story, the evil prevailed over the good. The Apostle Paul, who is very, very religious, very, very committed to bettering himself, probably read every how-to book on religion in the Jewish bookstores. He was a dedicated religious man, and in Romans chapter 7, describes what he discovered ultimately. In Romans 7, verse 18, he says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. Verse 19. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. No matter how hard I try, no matter what my commitment is, I'm not improving. Romans 7, verse 24, is the plea of his heart. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? The answer, verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is our deliverer. Why do we need a gate? We need a gate for deliverance from sin and death. And today we are praising God we have a gate. We are praising God we have a way to escape the wages of sin. 
You have heard countless sermons about this narrow way and this narrow gate. You have heard things that uh, are true, I suppose, but they have not resonated with you because I don't believe they brought out the essence of what Jesus is teaching. The narrow gate. Why is it narrow? Well, let's go back to our passage and we'll look at it. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. This statement of Jesus is an actual statement responding to the human dilemma. How shall I be delivered from this body of death? Enter the gate. Enter the gate. He has provided a gate. Enter. There's no other way. Do this and you will be delivered from sin and from death. Now let me hit the pause button here. As I mentioned earlier, many of you have heard sermons, you have read articles, you have studied this, and you've pondered this narrow gate. You've heard things like, we need to remove everything that's a distraction between us and the Lord, and the Lord to enter that gate. We need to clean ourselves up and enter that gate and walk the narrow way and though I believe we need to clean up, let me tell you, folks, if we could clean up, we wouldn't need a Savior. We need the gate. Why is it narrow? Well, I'll tell you why I believe it's narrow. It's as wide as one man. Look at John chapter 10. John 10, verse 7 then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. That gate is narrow for two reasons. The gate is Jesus. It's as wide as him. And... It's symbolic, I believe, that we are saved one person at a time. We're not saved by a family. We're not saved by a church. We're not saved by a community. We are saved one person at a time. It is an individual experience walking into Jesus Christ as our Savior. How shall I be delivered from this body of death? Jesus says, enter through the gate. John 14, verse 6. Jesus strengthens our position here. He says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Today, we rejoice. We rejoice that the answer to life's question is one answer and one answer alone. It is Jesus. There are trillions and billions and infinite number of wrong answers. But we don't stand at the precipice of eternity looking at door number one, two, or three, hoping by God's grace we choose correctly. 
There's only one right answer. This is a blessing to us. This is the way Jesus says, enter here. You see, in humanity, the way it works, there are three options given to us. One is from the book of Judges, where everyone is doing what is right in his own eyes. That's not the gate. The other option is, well, you just follow the crowd. That's not the gate. Jesus says he is the gate. And in Romans 3, verse 4, the Bible says, let God be true, but every man a liar. God is the one who has given us the gate. It is his gate. It is Jesus Christ. So I ask the question again, why do we need a gate? Evil is so deeply entrenched within us. Self-salvation so totally impossible. Our urgent, urgent need is redemption through Jesus Christ. Enter the gate. Jesus answers the question, who will deliver us from this body of death? It is the Lord himself. Look at John 6, verse 40. John 6, verse 40. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Let me repeat that. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. Jesus is the gate. Enter through him. Jesus is our escape from sure death and in eternity we do not want. We escape by going through the gate. Today we rejoice that a way of escape has been provided. Second Peter chapter one. Peter writes, grace, verse two, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust having escaped the depravity that is in the world. Now Jesus, in his simple saying, not only promises a way of escape, but he promises companionship along that road. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will journey with us and take us on into eternity with him. In life, we have some hard times. We all do. I think of my sister Kay. She's the oldest of us five children. And she is 
the, the one who keeps the family history. She likes to write. She keeps many of the family mementos and things like this. And it was last spring, three large trees crashed down on her house, damaging it severely, forcing her and her husband Jerry to have to leave the house. And then long arguments with insurance company and contractors and so forth, it's been under construction, re redoing the house. All the things in the house had to be moved out to prevent water damage. And so this week was the grand day they could go back home. It's an exciting time. And where their things were stored, the folks who had them stored uh, brought them by truck. And as they unloaded the things that belonged to the family, to their horror, it was noted mold had grown through and on all of it. And the chest, the hutch that belonged to my Grandpa Arnold and Grandma Arnold, over a hundred years old, had gotten wet and the drawers had swollen, can no longer be used, and the veneer on it peeled off, it's destroyed. Now these things in and of themselves don't have a lot of intrinsic value, but to her heart it represents the people and our heritage and what's been important to us as a family. So her world careened into chaos, as you can only imagine. And she wrote a short note to all of us. She wrote a long note about what happened, and then a day later, a short note. She was driving down US 23. Now that's the main highway running north and south through East Tawas and Tawas City, where they live up in northern Michigan. Runs right along Lake Huron. And it was Veterans Day. And in honor of veterans up there, the town has flags all along US 23. She was driving on Veterans Day. She was thinking about my dad, US Army, me, US Coast Guard, my brother, US Air Force, his son, US Air Force. We all have a brick with our name at the uh, Veterans Park up there in Tawas City. She was thinking about us, and she looked up at the flags. The flags were flapping furiously in the wind. Looked like they were barely able to hold on. And she saw in that a picture of her own life at the time just being battered by the wind of life, helplessly slapped around. And then she wrote, she realized they were being held by a pole that wasn't moving. And the Lord reminded her, he had her, he was holding her. Not only can we escape sure death and eternal damnation, 
we run to one who will hold us through the winds of life. Ed Whitcomb said he would escape. Somehow he would escape. Jesus is here for you to escape to. I'm wondering if there's anyone here who would like to say, Lord, I want to go through that gate. I want to go through that gate, and I want to stay with you, and I want to walk with you, and I want you to walk with me. If you want to say that to the Lord, I invite you to stand. Father in heaven, thank you for giving us such a great escape. Thank you for life eternal in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We come to him now. We ask him to come into our lives and to save us. And we enter that gate and come into close relationship with you through Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Please remain standing while we have our closing song. Please join us as we sing, What a Friend We Have in Jesus.
that Jesus will soon return. May we all be ready to meet him in peace when he appears. Father in heaven, I pray for these dear, dear people. I ask that you will continue watching over them and their families. I pray that your presence would be so real in their lives that their faith in you would be strong. I'm asking, Lord, that you will hear their prayers and answer those prayers according to your will. We're all praying that you will save our children, our family members, our loved ones, and our friends. We thank you, and we pray to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope you have a wonderful day. I hope you have a wonderful week. God bless and go in peace.